G'day and welcome to the Outpost Church Podcast. It has been said that to focus on prayer is like trying to focus on the windscreen when trying to drive. Prayer is just the means by which we communicate with God. It is God that we seek to focus on more than prayer. We are eager to grow in our prayer lives, but we are convicted that the best way to do that is by focusing more on the person of Jesus. And with him front and center, there are some things that are helpful for us to know, things that will grow our prayer lives. And in this series, we're hitting up three. And it also happens to be the title of a very corny, very cheesy 90s pop song, Truly, Madly, Deeply. And we hope that this frees you up to pray more as the real you meets with the real God. God bless you. As I was reading Psalm 145, verse 6 and 7, say, They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. And there's two different things. Verse 6 and verse 7 both start with they. They will. And then we go back to verse 4. It says, One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts and I will declare your greatness. There's this sense that he is saying one generation will tell it to the next who will then declare it and he starts speaking of the things that he will do and then what this next generation will do. And I don't know if anyone heard about this little thing called the census. There was some data that was released recently and um, a fair bit was made of that and it wasn't positive in terms of the influence of the church and um, how Christianity is going in our nation. But I love this. There's one thing that we are... Uh, it was the end of last year where there was a few of us um, who were setting a few goals for the coming, year, coming years. And one of them was a five-year goal that we would see a 10% increase in Christianity in this region. And the way things have been going over the last six or seven decades, that's unlikely. Um, And the fact that people on the census who fill out uh, that they are Christian tend to be older in age. And we're going to see more of those people who pass away between now and the next census. So you go, it's unlikely to see an increase. But our goal is not that we would just see more people here in this church. Our goal is that we would see more people come to faith in this region. And that requires not just one church that's going well. It requires that there's unity amongst the churches, that there's a, a movement that's going on. Um, and so this was something that just stood out to me just then. And I'd love us to, to pray into this. So I want to invite you to, to stand to your feet. Verse 6 and 7. I'll just read them out. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Those next couple of verses are the most famous verses in this psalm. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. We want 
this generation and the generations to come to know the reality of verses 8 and 9. We want them to do what is spoken of in verses 6 and 7. We want them to know that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Do I get an amen? That he is slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. We want a generation, verse 6, that will proclaim the power of God's awe-inspiring acts. And we want to declare his greatness. We want a generation that will give a testimony of God's great goodness and will joyfully sing of God's righteousness. I invite you to pray into this. And we're going to do that as a, a big group. Um, and I just invite you to lift up your voice. So whatever stands out to you, just pray into it. Let's go. Father, you are good, and we declare that you are at work. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in us right here, right now. Thank you that you created everything and you have redeemed everything. Thank you that whether people are aware of you or not, you love them and you call them to yourself. And the best that anyone could know, in fact, the only way to truly experience life is in the name of Jesus. And it is by faith in him. That is the best thing that we could ever know. It is what we're called to experience, what we're called to live in. And I pray that would be our reality. And I pray it would be increasingly the reality of this region. God bless McLaren Vale. God bless the McLaren Vale region. We thank you for every single person in this district. We thank you for the churches that have gathered today. We bless them each and all in the name of Jesus, that they would know you more, that they would operate in unity as the church, and that also we would operate in unity between the churches. In Jesus' name, we lift up those that have just got busy with other stuff and have forgotten your goodness and have forgotten and failed to prioritize meeting with others. We ask, Lord, that you would arrest their attention and they would return to fellowship. Lord, we ask for the prodigals who have more intentionally gone away. We pray, Lord, that we would see a return of the prodigals. In Jesus' name, Lord, have your way. We pray for those who haven't given you a second thought before. May they consider Christ. May Jesus be lifted high in their lives. And may they see him as he is. In Jesus' name, and turn and repent. Lord, we want to see this region change. It's only you that can do it. Come, Holy Spirit. Convict us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And amen. I invite you to take a seat. Is there anyone that has a word for us? So as we read through Psalm 145, something that stood out to me just then, is there someone else that feels like there's something else that needs to be said around that before we continue on?
All right, I'll get you to turn over to Luke chapter 18. There's not that many times in my life where I've been truly desperate. One time was just after I hit some very cold water where I suddenly became very desperate. Context was that um, Christy had a bit of FOMO. So a friend uh, of mine was with us and we were on a trip to Canada and Christy was with the kids as I went with him and my dad on this, it was a pretty tame whitewater rafting experience. And he'd asked the uh, guide at the start, is there an optional swim as part of this? Um, and this is a glacier-fed river. Um, and the guide's just like, oh, whatever. Um, and then he brings up again a bit later on. And the guy's like, all right, tell you what, if you do a flip into the water, um, it's okay by me. And so he pulls over into this eddy. And so Ryan and myself take our life jackets off. And we have a go at doing a backflip off of the side of this um, raft. And then I had my dad set up. So he took a photo of us as we're, you know, trying to do a backflip into the water. Uh, and then you hit the water and it's just like, oh. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be ridiculous and it was only really, really cold. Um, and so we're climbing back in and I'm like, Dad, take another photo. We're going to do it again. And Dad's like taking his life jacket off. So my dad at that point was probably uh, about 60, I guess. Um, and he did his first ever backflip in his whole life. And it was he got at least three quarters of the way around, uh, which is pretty impressive, uh, into the Bow River in, in Canada. Anyhow, so Christy had this, this FOMO going on and she's like, oh, I want to have a swim. And so the two of us are in this lake and I'm like, oh, that river wasn't as cold as I thought it would be. It'll be fine. Um, and anyway, I dived into the lake and there was this sort of a peninsula kind of deal going around um, and I, I dived in and it was one of those moments where I was just like, what have I done? For whatever reason, it felt so much colder than the river had been and I'm like a quarter to a third of the way across and I'm like, do I turn around? Do I just keep going for it? Um, but it was one of those moments where it was just desperation. Am I going to be able to breathe again? Am I going to survive this? And I, I won't tell you what happened. Uh, I'll keep you hanging for a while. Um, oh, busted. There's been those moments. Though. I remember with, with Esther as a baby when she's in a baby carrier and then is she breathing? And that moment of desperation where I'm sort of playing it cool at the start and then I'm not playing this cool and just whatever I could do to get the baby carry off and check to make sure that this little, whatever she was, a couple of week old baby was actually still alive as she was in that thing. But just when that desperation strikes, it's um, desperate. We're going to read from Luke chapter 18. And there's a couple of stories in here of, of desperation. And one of them is more obvious than the other. We're going to start with the obvious one. So can you go to verse uh, 35? Luke 18, verse 35. So speaking of Jesus, as he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. 
Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front of him told him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly, he could see, and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. I wonder how many apologized to him as well for trying to stop him from receiving that amazing miracle. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That is desperation right there. That is someone who even when he's being told, like, you're embarrassing yourself, mate, just chill out, calm down, he went again, continued to yell out, and he got what he wanted. And the final thing recorded here that Jesus said to him is what? Your faith has saved you. How is his faith expressed? Through desperation. He had one hope, and that was that Jesus would do something. And that's what he went after. You'd say that's a a pray-first kind of mentality. Jesus was there. He wanted Jesus. Let's go back to the start of the chapter. We have one example that isn't as obviously desperation, but it's still there. Now, he told them a parable. How good is this? We actually get told the purpose of the parable before we start hearing about the parable. Now, he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town that kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I find it really interesting that we get in verse 1 that Jesus tells this parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. So we have that sense of perseverance and we see the example in there that there is perseverance for this widow. She's known as the persistent widow. She keeps at it. She keeps approaching the judge and asking for justice and then she gets it. And then it's one of those how much more type statements. So you listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night. That sounds like perseverance. 
crying out day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. That sounds like it's going to happen straight away. We're getting some mixed messages in here. We're told to pray always and not give up. We're called to cry out night and day, but we're also told that he will swiftly act on our behalf. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in a little bit more. So, Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the example and the life of Jesus. We thank you for the invitation that we have to know you, to cry out to you. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who do cry out day and night. We will be a people who pray always and don't give up. And I ask, Lord, that we would be a people who see your breakthrough time and time again. Would you lead us? In Jesus' name, hallelujah and amen. We're going to continue in Luke. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 11. So... Just after the Lord's Prayer is introduced, we have a story that comes up. So we're in the middle of a three-week series. So a three-week series named after a cheesy 90s love song. Anyone know what it is? Truly, Madly, Deeply. So last week, truly, we need to bring the reality of what's going on for us to God. So we pray truly. As a church, we talk about it a fair bit. We pray first. We want prayer to be the first thing that we do when there is need. It's just an instinctive thing. It's our response to whatever's going on. We want it to be our last resort, but also our first resort. Have you ever noticed how different the word resort sounds on its own to last resort? I don't know. Resort sounds nice. Last resort doesn't sound very nice. So it's really important that we are honest in our prayer life. We are not just saying what we think we should say or what I shared last week I think is reasonably common in when you're praying in a group, how easy it is to be actually thinking more about what the group are thinking rather than what God is thinking himself. But we want to pray honestly. And so... It is incredibly helpful to pray on our own where there's not that temptation to think about what others are thinking and we get more accustomed to praying um, when there's no one else around so that when we do pray in groups, we're bringing that relationship with him into um, our prayer time with others, which is incredibly rich and it's a game changer. Rather than having our insecurity um, and our fear and then bringing that into a corporate prayer time uh, actually bringing an intimacy with the father and knowing him and delighting in him and knowing that he's good and he answers our prayers and we can just be real with him and not have to make stuff up and then we bring that into a corporate prayer setting and others get a glimpse of what it is to to know him and live with him and, and love him and I've been so privileged to pray with different people over the years who clearly know him Let's all be people who know him 
more and more and more because we do that time in the prayer closet and we just bring to him whatever is on our heart. Not being ashamed of going, oh, I shouldn't really be thinking about this. I shouldn't be worried about that. Whatever is on your heart, bring it to him. Let's pray truly. But let's also pray madly. Let's actually be more concerned about him hearing us than what others think of us. Let's be willing to look a bit silly, even look mad, in order to express our faith, in order to declare that we want his attention more um, than we want people to think well of us, more than we want our dignity and respect and whatever else. Actually be willing to lay that stuff down because we trust him and we know that he's good for it. Even be willing to be annoying according to this one. So this is Luke chapter 11. Um, and so we're starting from verse 5. Luke chapter 11 from verse 5. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Anyone switch off right there like midnight? Who's had a friend come to them at midnight? I see that hand. <sighs> Who's had someone come desperate at midnight? Sorry? Yeah, I guess that does count, yeah. Someone who's waking you up. What's that? A baby, that's right. Happens every night, doesn't it? Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs." And then the conclusion that Jesus draws is this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, there's something similar here in Luke 11 to what we had in that parable from Luke 18 about the unrighteous judge. And in, in both of these, what part does God play? So in this one here, what's... God's part in this story? Yeah, the one who gives the loaves. And then in, the, in Luke 18, God plays what part? The judge. But then we like can't say it because it says like the unjust judge or the unrighteous judge. It doesn't really work. And so in each of these we can have this unresolved thing of like, oh, so is God like the unjust judge? 
is God like this friend who's kind of, you know, understandably a bit like, not getting up, mate. Kids are finally asleep. I'm in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. But he keeps going. Is God like that? We've got to really let him know that we're desperate before he finally, okay, gets up and lets us know really loud opening stuff and finally comes out and throws the bread in the, the face. Is that what God's like? What do you think the purpose of these parables is? Is it to show us what God is like or is it to show us what we are to be like? Clearly, I think it is to show us what we are to be like. We are to be like that friend, like that neighbor who's like, oh, someone's come to me with a need. He has just had the same thing happen to him, right? We know the part where he goes up and he's knocking on the door and he's saying, hey, my friend's come to me and I don't have any bread to give him. That's happened because just probably a few minutes earlier, he's had a on his door of someone arriving at his house who he needs to put up. And he's like, I know who I can ask. And so he goes to seek some bread from somebody else in order to feed his friend. We are to be like that one who, whenever it is, will boldly go and ask for what we need from God. And like with the, the widow and the judge... She kept going. We are to be like that. It's not saying that God is like the other. It's telling us what we are to be like, not telling us what God is like. And that's an important one to, to intentionally process. So we keep going. doesn't matter when it is. We keep going. And what is beautiful about this example in Luke 11 is that he's not going for himself. He's actually going on behalf of someone else. There is someone with a need, and he is going in order to meet that need. He's probably going to benefit from it. He's asking for three loaves of bread. There's a chance he's going to have one of those loaves himself so that his friend doesn't eat alone. But the purpose is because he has someone who is in need, and that's why he's going and seeking something. We're going to spend some time praying. And what I want us to do, because what I found in my life is that there are times that I am desperate in prayer and then it kind of fades. There are times where it's situational. And so maybe it's a particular dynamic amongst my kids. And in that moment, it's desperate. It's like, I have to solve this. How can we move on and resolve it? But then I find myself not thinking about it too much until the next time almost the same thing happens again. And then suddenly I'm desperate about it and I'm bringing it up before God and I'm trying to intervene myself. And what that has revealed to me is that there are areas of my life that really matter to me that I think I've got covered like parenting. I can be calm. I can respond well when things come up. This will be fine. But this is an area that really matters and I really need God's help. 
And so praying into those situations when the time is not desperate and I'm praying for the best for each of my kids and praying for their relationships between each other and actually investing in that and having a a desperation. It is like continuing to pray even when it's not front and center. But then there's, there's other situations like relational things and, and people where it feels like there is no way that's ever going to change. And there was a sense of desperation at one point and then it's continued on and I haven't seen the answer to the prayer that I've prayed that I've stopped praying as regularly or stopped praying at all. But we're told to continue praying and not give up. We want to be desperate in our prayer lives. There's a thing that I've done in the past that I've just started doing again. I actually introduced it a few weeks back, and it's prayer cards. We were doing this when we were doing our two for two for 22 and introducing that and encouraging people to, to use these cards as a way to focus in our prayer life and to be continual with it. And so this card is on track with what we were um, praying into when I first got up. So this says 10% growth in McLaren Vale Church by 2026. So that's in the middle and it's got a a line around it and then I've got a little cloud underneath that says confirmed by census data. Um, I've got in there uh, prodigals returning, mission-minded Christians moving in, unity in the church, conversion growth, whole family saved. Just different points on there that I want to remind myself of and then add to at different times as I bring this to my attention for a start so I can continue to bring it to God's attention. Not that he doesn't care about it, but that he has actually invited us to participate in this process. There's a quote from John Wesley that says that God does nothing on earth except through believing prayer. Pretty bold statement. But he's invited us to be a significant part of this. Not just tokenistic, not just God knows what needs to be done so he'll do it. He actually calls us to play our role. Which is to bring things before him. And often he'll give us jobs to do. But let's be people who consistently and continually bring things before him. So Steve, if you could pop that slide up please. So I've just got a simple couple of questions for you. Um, so what really matters to you? So what's something that matters to you that just feels hopeless? What have you continued to pray for but without hope or stopped praying for or not praying for as much anymore? Maybe you've never prayed for it because it just feels too big and too hopeless. I mean, this one here of the 10% growth in McLaren Vale Church over the next five years. It doesn't measure up with the data that we've seen. But we want to see this. We want to see breakthrough. We want to see change. And what's something that matters that you're likely, where you like to be overconfident in your own ability? So I was sharing that about parenting. But to actually seek God's help into my relationship with each of my kids as well as obviously praying for them 
and praying for those relationships that they have with each other and praying for those things. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a bit of time just to sit with that. Up the back again, I've got a bunch of pens. I've got these ones and also got smaller cards as well. If you'd like to write up some prayer cards, this would be a really good time to do that. Um, you're very welcome to share with the person next to you the responses to those questions. Just to think through what are the things that you want to be more desperate about in prayer. And to share that. Actually cultivate a sense of desperation in your prayer life.